Welcome in to another edition of the Two Fans Review Wrestling Podcast. My name is Eric Fry, joined as always by my co-host Travis Sparks. Episode 10, Travis, we are a decade in. Mm-hmm. Not, not really, but... Yeah. 10 weeks. That's 10 like an weeks anniversary. In. Yeah, this should be a big show, right? Oh yeah, we got title changes, we got main events that are decent, we've got... Uh, we got everything. We got it all. We got it all. We got right it all here. today. And I, I, we're going to be straight up and honest with the listeners. We are mm-hmm. a week late in bringing this episode because I had to go and get sick. Yeah. Yeah. You had I, to I was, go and do it. I had the COVID. Mm-hmm. I got COVID-19, so we were not able to uh, put this episode up on time, but uh, we still appreciate everyone for listening and downloading and subscribing and all that fun stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll hopefully get back on a weekly schedule now. But you got the COVID, but you kicked out and you didn't let it, didn't let it get over you, get over on you. So it was was a near fall. Um, I thought we were in trouble, but, uh, came back, hit it with a chair. Made a great comeback. uh, Yep. I I threw a couch at it like Sandman would and, uh, called it good. He didn't really throw it. So you like suplexed suplexed it over my shoulder. Of course I did. Yeah. That's what I (laughs) did to the COVID. Just like Sandman. So So be careful out there. Wear your masks, all that fun stuff. But, uh, we're here to try and keep you entertained and try and, uh, get your mind off of the things and go back to simpler times in 19... 95 talking about great wrestling yeah so we like eric said we're sorry that the episode is a week late but they always say absence makes the heart grow fonder so and we may make it up at some point i have some ideas to make it up to the listeners okay maybe some special bonus material that we will not review during our our journey here Okay. So be prepared. Get ready for that. All right. Yeah. You excited now? Yeah. I, I'm intrigued. Bonus something, stuff. Something that I didn't even know. Yes. And it, it's a, it, what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking is it will be a nice little, little bow. So get ready. Okay. So stick around for stick that. Stick around for that. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, again, don't forget, email us, subscribe on Apple podcast and, uh, like us on, or follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook as well. So there you go. Let's, uh, you ready to jump into the news? Yep. Let's, let's get to it. And, uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading. And yeah, let's get into it. To the news for the week, we will start with your ratings. Last week's WCW Saturday night got a 2.3. It's pretty good for Saturday night current day there are many wrestling companies that would kill for a 2.3 oh, yeah, definitely. but the monday night wars what everyone wants to know raw 2.2 which isn't good for raw that means saturday night beat raw yeah nitro 2.5 so nitro gets the win ratings wise for last week's episode not this one that we are reviewing all right, last week we had a super long news segment because I said that we were off a week. Well, after doing some investigative research and finding out, we were not off a week. We were perfectly fine. So I already ran through this week's news on last week's show. So I'll go very quickly through this. Uh, in your house, buy rates estimate looked to be in the .35 to 4 range, which is by far lowest buy rate in WWF history. We talked about that. Uh, ECW show ended in a panic last week due to uh, Cactus Jack accidentally setting Terry Funk on fire and the fire spreading into the crowd. Um, 
also got news that uh, Halloween Havoc was expected to be Hogan's last WWE match for until February or March, um, as Hogan uh, has been negotiating with WWF recently. Um, Paraguay Jr. was injured in a match with Psychosis in AAA. Sabu may soon be brought to AAA as their top heel. Um... Let's see, USWA still struggling in Memphis. They brought Razor in to defend the IC title and only drew 800 people. Uh, Missy Hyatt, there's talk of bringing her to ECW. Steve Austin's going to be sticking around ECW for a little while longer. Won't be heading to WWF anytime soon, according to Dave. Uh, Sabu did end up working the NWA show the same night as a nearby ECW show, so he will never be back in ECW. Whataburger is running commercials filmed at the Dallas Sportatorium that features Ahmed Johnson in it. John Hawk, Bradshaw won the CWA Hanover Tournament in Europe. Uh, Benoit and Pillman are back on for the Stu Hart Tribute Show in Stampede next month. Um, supposedly, Benoit is going to be the fourth member of the Horsemen. We got teases, not f- specifically for that, but we said there would be a fourth member on uh, on Nitro. Uh, Pillman had a DUI case in Cincinnati that he plea bargained down this week to just reckless driving. Uh, Eligante uh, was supposed to come into WCW and actually be the Yeti. But uh, he was hospitalized, and then he just quit answering WCW's calls. So they're searching for that third giant for the World War III pay-per-view. Um, WWF and WCW are both interested in bringing in Public Enemy. Bill DeMott debuted a new gimmick. And uh, WWF is planning to acknowledge other promotions like USWA, SMW, and War in Japan. So, there you go. The quick and dirty news. Mm-hmm. I like the quickness. Thank you. Just blowing through it. We, we didn't get too much into it. Didn't need to. Yeah. Went through it all last week. If you right. missed it, listen to last week's show. It's all right there at the beginning. You get two weeks worth of news. So now we're back on track, and we will have new news every week. All right. All right. Yeah, now we're now we're on the way. We're on the right path. You know, if only I knew what I was doing. If that, only. This show would be so great. Yeah, if only. You want us to get into some ECW? Yeah, all let's right. let's do it. ECW. ECW, not live, very much uh, taped, uh, as every ECW show is, and we open with a segment that we have been teased for for weeks, Mm -hmm. if not, would you say months, Travis? Yeah, probably about a month yeah. Would you say a month? Yeah. Is this what you expected? I don't know how to go about this. I'm, I'm excited about it, though. So we open ECW, and you see Beulah sitting on a on a chair, mm-hmm. and she stands up. And I'm just I'm just gonna play it. We're just we're just gonna play it live. Here we go. I'm Beulah, and welcome to Beulah's box. This week, my box is gonna get an up close and personal feel for something that's a big stick of dynamite. TNT. You never know when it's gonna explode. And best of all. It's live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Monday Night Wall, where the big boys play with each other. I apologize for the balloons, but 
and I had to fire the pyrotechnician guy because he couldn't show up. I did it over the phone, no less, but I had to fire him. Okay, right here with the big boys playing with each other on my right. As of always, Bongo. Bongo, how you doing? Okay, now the brain couldn't be here tonight. Pan over here to where the brain's supposed to be. Brain couldn't be here, so I had my secretary leave a message on his answer machine, and when he calls me, I'm going to fire him on the phone just like I did Austin because that's the way I deal with people. I'm not a very brave man, and that's the bottom line. Okay, big show tonight. Like I said, if you're watching another channel, get over here. If you're thinking about watching another wrestling promotion, don't do it because this is the only one that's live. Okay, big main event tonight. Never before seen on TV. The most dangerous match in the world. And you're going to see it right here on Monday Night Quill. Oh, yeah. Yes, right here on Monday Night Quill. Bottle of Geritol on a pole match. First time ever in the world. You're going to see all the old codgers here in our organization. And they're going to be scrapping around and using their walkers, trying to keep the dentures in. And they're going for it because this is the hottest show on TV. Brother, this is the bottom line. We're number one. Did I repeat that I already fired the brain over the phone? Oh, yeah. This is where the big boys play with each other. Oh, yeah. Did I tell you that we're number one? Okay. I'm going to get Okay. The cameraman's telling me we got to go to a break. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know the names of any of the holds, but I'm going to sit here and fumble around and bubble around. And if I put you to sleep, if I don't put you to sleep, the matches probably will. So bear with us. This is Monday NyQuil, and we're live. And he's wearing a black wig yeah. and suit jacket, uh-huh. no pants. Mm-hmm. As you do. And it's so entertaining. It's so great. It's so great. Because it's so over the top, and he's making fun of everything that Bischoff is saying on Nitro about them being number one and where the big boys play. That's not included yep. in the drinking game. Oh, I was going to ask about that. No, it's with, it's with the big boys play with each other. Oh, uh, okay. That's what this one was about. And he's just so over the top with it, and yeah, it's classic Steve Austin here. And do you know the best part? There's a little hidden thing in there that if you're not and paying said, attention, that's the bottom line. The first, that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Why wasn't he cutting promos when he first goes somewhere? Why does he? No, oh, it's like people don't watch ECW. No, they don't. And would you not say, Travis, in what we've seen thus far from 1995, the wrestling on the ECW shows has not always been great. Sure. But they're the best promos in the business. Oh yeah, and it's ev- it's it's basically mm-hmm. everyone who cuts promos. I'll I'll make an exception. I'll say Sandman, not a great promo. Sure, but Mikey stuff's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Minus the the one bad promo from Public Enemy where they they use bad uh, references. We'll say. Uh, yeah. Other than that, they they're on this show again. They were I thought they were thoroughly entertaining yeah. on tonight's show. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Foley, Dreamer, Funk, Raven, mm-hmm. Austin. Yeah. You could you could say um on Nitro that maybe Flair yeah. and Hogan's promos are just out there. They're out there. So, more than I remember. Right. 
Right. And Savage, there's been one, but... We haven't really seen a lot of Savage right. promos. Like, right. It's, it feels like... The one that we saw at Havoc was out there. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. We played it. Yes. So, so, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I, These guys could talk in ECW, and they're definitely showing off their chops on the I mic. I think it's the benefit of this being their only show. You know you're going to get the best of the best on this show because they don't have another show. Whereas Raw, you have you have superstars, and they're trying to make superstars seem important, so they'll put some interviews on there. And Nitro and Saturday Night, it's currently right now kind of in a state of flux as to what is the main show for WCW. Because right. so, yeah, it used to be Saturday Night for you, so long. Yeah, and you don't see, like we talked about, you don't see a lot of promos on Nitro. It's match, 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 match. There may be one, two video package. Yeah. But it's it's not like ECW with the promos. Right, yeah, definitely not the promos. If they are talking, mm-hmm. it's usually in the ring or in the entrance or by the very entrance with Gene. Yep, exactly. So uh, I think that just makes ECW stand out just a little bit for me. If you want to watch this, it's at the very beginning of the October 31st episode. That's the one we're reviewing right here. We then get the ECW open, and Joey welcomes us to ECW. He says the Pitbulls will be in action, and Mikey and the Public Enemy are training for Mikey's title match, which we will see tonight versus Sandman in a ladder match. Uh, We also get November to Remember hype, as Mikey will take on Ray Jr. before November to Remember. That's the night before. And then at the third annual November to Remember, Public Enemy will take on Scorpio and Sandman, plus Cactus and Raven versus Dreamer and Funk. And then it goes to commercial. And then at that point, well, we go back to Mr. Austin. Tell me, wake up. Hey, fire, fire, fire. Oh, I'm sorry if if you went to sleep just like I did. And probably if it wasn't me, it was a match. I know it was boring just like everything we do here is boring. But next week, we're going to be here live where the big boys play with each other. Oh, I, I can't wait. It's just good. The second one, short and concise, to the point, uh, and talking about what he needs to to talk about. I love it. Yeah, he falls asleep on the desk. I love it. Yeah. Now, it's pretty good. We did talk about November to remember. That would be on next week's show. But as we have said, there is stuff that will be on that show that will be on all the TVs coming forward. There is stuff that is not, and I will be reviewing it. So be prepared for that, Travis. You'll be reviewing it. I'll review it, yeah. I'll review the dark stuff. You can watch it, too. Gotcha. I'll give you a list. Yeah. I'll give you a list of what's what's not going to be on the the show. Um, I I can kind of figure what's going to be on there, but, yeah, definitely. I was definitely interested in Cactus and Raven with Dreamer and Funk. That will be on the show. Now, I don't know if it'll be on ECW Clipped. But it will be on oh, ECW yeah, sure at some point. Clipped. So, sure uh, be. we then go into our first match of the night, as it's the Pit Bulls versus the Broad Street Bully and Don E. Allen. Uh, the Pit Bulls are out with Francine. Pit Bulls total control. Uh, Don E. Allen gets super bombed for the win. There's really nothing at all to say about this. I, this wasn't really a match. It was more of a segment to get to the next segment. Right, and it was just to get because the Pit Bulls just recently lost the tag titles, mm-hmm. and this was just to him, them getting a win back. Yep. But I thought the most significant part was it was Francine, and yep. she comes out with the leather, and she's matching with her with new the guys yep. with the Pit Bulls. So I thought that was probably the most significant part about it, even though uh, 
that Donnie Allen, Joey Styles, mm-hmm. said that he had like a number on his attire. Yes, for his for PWI five hundred. Yes, <laughs> I think was it was four ninety nine. Yeah, it yeah. was. Uh, at that point, Jason comes out in a white suit. Uh, Jason says that he used to manage the pit bulls, and he says. Uh, th- that was just unbelievable what he saw. He says he can uh, take the pit bulls to the top and make them champions again. Jason says he made a mistake selling their contract to Stephen Richards. Uh, Jason offers to manage the pit bulls. And then at that point, Jason calls Francine a prostitute and kicks her in the face. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like a super kick. Yeah. It's it, a super weak one. Yes. At that point, the Eliminators come out and attack the pit bulls from behind. Saturn with a few chair shots. We get a Hurricane Eliminator to pit bull two. But that is not what that move is known as. You know what that move is, don't you? What? Total elimination. Total elimination. Joey Styles is going to hurt his voice in the coming years by yelling, Total elimination. Just like that. Get ready for only more high pitch. Sure. I can't do the high pitch. Yeah. Um, so they hit that on Pitbull 2. Uh, out come Rick Steiner and Taz for the save. Steiner with a bunch of Steiner lines and a DDT to the knee. As in he DDT'd one of the Eliminators onto his right, knee. It was weird. It was a weird-looking move. Um, we come back from break, and the Eliminators run back in the ring, attacking Taz and Steiner. And at this point, I put, where is Scott? Yeah, where is Scott? I was just going to ask where, you that. He must be in Japan, I would think. Yeah, but then why would why Scott would, be yeah, in Japan It's, it's weird Rick. that Rick, there are moments, and, and we'll see Rick a little later in the night. He looks like he's having way too much fun. <laughs> I'm not saying anything, but... Uh, anyways, uh, Taz with a low blow on Jason. Out come the pit bulls. Um, I put this whole thing has been nothing short of a cluster. It's just, it's just a cluster. Uh, music keeps playing as the eliminators both go for handspring elbows, but Cronus gets caught with a German suplex. That looked very nice. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, and then we got a doomsday device. And I, my last note on this is what a mess. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense for the go to commercial break and then the eliminators come back out and then the pit bulls come back out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. No. But hey, pit bulls versus the eliminators, that's what it looks like. And Taz and Rick Steiner yeah, somewhere do <laughs> they yeah. stand around? Well, Taz is still injured. He's still in- with injured, neck. yes. Uh, we then get our extreme encyclopedia. We talked about this before. We hoped it was a one-time thing with Ray and uh, I believe it was Psychosis. Mm-hmm, it is it not as this one, but this one I I found funny. Uh, they had Sandman, uh, Smoku Brawler Us, yep. which is Sandman. Mm-hmm. Women is Foxus Greedius, which I found funny, mm-hmm. and Mikey Whipwreck is Miraculous Underdogus. That's the only yeah. notes I took on the whole segment. Oh, I took the whole oh, did you? description. You paused it, didn't you? Oh, I did pause it. <laughs> All right, give uh, it to Sandman, me. Sandman, like you said, was Smokus Brawless. He is a cigarette-smoking, cane-swilling, beer-drinking world champion with a propensity for violence and a fighter who has climbed the ladder to the top. The ladder. The ladder. Top. Yes. Yes. Nice. Uh, what woman you did there? is Focus Greedus and an admiration of the classic American male fantasy of beauty and servitude, a seductive hench wench with an appetite for money. Hmm. I don't know what a hench wench. If she wants money, why is she with Sandman? Yeah, exactly. He spends all of his money on cigarettes. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> and uh, Mikey is miraculous underdogus. 
A 19-year-old messenger of improbability upsets the former ECW TV and tag team champion with CAC. This tries... To you, he tries to use his 188 clean living, non-smoking, drug and disease-free pounds to beat the nicotine-addicted Sandman. And my text to my uh, speech to text might have failed me there. That's a okay. Bit with cactus. That, that's a, well because he won the tag titles for cactus. Yeah, I know, but it's, yeah. it says cac. Oh. I think it may have said cactus. <laughs> there. If this was current day, you know the end of this storyline would be that woman turns and joins with Mikey because she found out he had an inheritance, right? Yeah, that that yeah, would be that would be that would be, that would be a good possible twist. ending to the story. It's yeah. not what's going to happen. Yeah. Just saying. That was today's version of Extreme Encyclopedia. Well, great. I hope we have no more. <laughs> I think it, it's so dumb. I don't know it why you're dumb. doing it. Show me a video package. You could have easily put a video package together to explain that whole thing. As opposed to a little encyclopedia thing. Anyways, we're back with the Dudley Boys. And at November to remember, there will be a special ring announcer. Uh, it will not be Big Dick um, because he just grunts. It will not be Sign Guy because the whole crowd is not mutes. Um, it won't be Dances with Dudley, but then Dances with Dudley talks. Um, and they say that he's only on book two of the Spanish to English uh, translation. And it says that Bubba Ray will be the ring announcer. Uh, Bubba has a speech impediment, um, and Bubba does his blah, 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 and then Big Dick hits him, and then at one point, Bubba dances, and he is so light on his feet. He's such a good dancer, but Big Dick gets mad, and I put my last note is, even though he is just a bit part right now, Bubba oozes charisma. Like, he just, he vaults off the screen. He's in a group of five people. And he sticks out with mm-hmm. his charisma. The shining star. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yes. I agree. I would agree with that. Are you excited for Bubba to be the ring announcer? Yeah. As as, do. as Dudley Dudley said, that may take the whole pay-per-view. Yeah. So just him doing yeah. the ring announcer. It Guess may what? take a while. Dark segment. Uh, it, we will see it when we review it, but it will not be shown on ECW TV. Mm, so. Gotcha. You will get to see it, so you can be happy about that. Joey recaps what just happened. Joey then runs down the November to Remember card. Uh, it's going to include Steve Austin making his in-ring debut. And I, I tell you what, this November to Remember, I wish I was there. Like it will that, be a November to Remember. You know, what we know thus far, you have you know the Cactus Raven versus Dreamer Funk, Public Enemy versus Scorpio and Sandman, uh, and Austin making his debut. Mm-hmm. It's a great show. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. It should be a pretty good one. We then go to Mikey doing a training session. He's with the Public Enemy in Central Park. Uh, Rocco talks about a bunch of police stuff. Uh, just Rocco. I, you know the thing I said about great promos? Yeah. Yeah, take Public Enemy out of that <laughs> take group. Take him out. Uh, <laughs> so Rocco says that he's going to go get some police stuff that they need for the training. Hoodie and, training. Hoodie training. That's right. Um, because all the great boxers trained in Central right, Park. That's right. And Grunge says that he's going to train Mikey while Rocco's out. Because Rocco's like, don't move. Yeah, and as soon as he's out of earshot, Grunge is like, come on, let's go over here. Mm-hmm. Um, Grunge says he needs to think like Sandman. And we see that there's a ladder set up with a six-pack of beer in a tree. And Mikey is going to go up the ladder, get a beer, bring it down, count to ten, and do it again. 
So he goes up the ladder, he gets the beer, he brings it down, he hands it to Grunge. Grunge opens it, drowns, downs the beer, so Mikey does it again. This happens all six times, and as it goes on, Grunge starts sounding more and more like Harry Carey. Yeah, more inebriated as yes, he goes along. because he's chugging these beers. Now, Travis, you're That's the beer funny. expert out of the two of us. <laughs> okay, yeah. Is is Would it take effect that quickly? Because at first he's yeah, like, he the is. first one he's like, count to ten. Then the second one he's like, count to five. Yeah. And then the third one he's like, just go. Either he's a lightweight <laughs> or, yeah, I think he's over-exaggerating a little bit. But, I mean, these are Budweiser's that yeah. he's chugging. So yes. it's not the lightest beer. So I don't think it would take effect that quickly as that inebriated as uh-huh. he acted. So I think it's a little overacting a little bit. But, I mean, 10 seconds to yeah. chug a beer is pretty yeah. impressive. And I don't know if he really chugged the five-second yeah. one. Yeah. But if he could, that's pretty impressive. Uh, Grunge says that this is the breakfast. How you feeling, Chuck? Champ. How you feeling, champ? Says this is the breakfast of champions and that Sandman doesn't stand a chance. Um, and it's it's just entertaining. It is, it's yeah. so entertaining. Um, Rocker Rock comes back. He bumps into Grunge. They knock over the ladder while Mikey is in the tree. Um, so Mike, Mikey's just kind of stuck there. And then my final line is that Grunge says one thing he can't stand is a drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, love it. Entertaining. And if you would have told me that, hey, there's a video package, and it was it was a decent-sized video package, of Public Enemy and Mikey, I would have went, oh, that's fine, but nothing to really... I thought this stood out on the show as being very good. Yeah, I thought the latter stuff, it went on a little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit long, but yeah, I thought this was a very funny, funny segment that, that we had going on here with P and uh, Mikey. And I guess I guess the reason why I like it so much is because it got us out of the arena. Yeah. And that's one thing that ECW does better than the other two shows is get you out of that arena for something. Now, we'll see Nitro oh, yeah. attempt it um, <laughs> a little bit later on this week. Um, but they get you out of the arena and do something besides just talking with a microphone. Yeah. And I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we get our main event of the evening. It's Sandman versus Mikey in a world title ladder match. Now, Joey says that the ladder is in play. You don't have to climb the ladder to get the belt. But I put, isn't everything in play in ECW? Like, right. what? what is yeah, the... Yeah, you can literally take weapons anything. out of the crowd. What, so what's the big deal? But, but I don't know if it was before this or when he was announcing the opening intro about... He said that this was a ladder match. Mm-hmm. But it was pinfall and yes. submission. He took yes. a shot at the ladder match by saying that he does. we're not going to hang a, hang up the belt on something or on the ceiling or yep. whatever. Yep. This is wrestling and pinfall and submission. But it's like, I don't know why you're taking a shot at the at the ladder match. I never minded that it was climbing a ladder and grabbing something off of it was hanging from an arena. I thought that's what a ladder match was. It's kind of like the cage match where you have to escape. Why? Why would you... If I'm the good guy and I finally get my hands on the bad guy, why do I win by leaving? Right. Makes no sense. Yeah. So I see it in a cage match. Ladder match, I can... I think it's because it's so fluky. And in ECW, they're trying to be like, no, like the, if you know, there's going to be a winner, it's not going to be by a fluke. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, but I, I agree with it. you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sandman and woman make their way around ringside. It takes forever mm-hmm. and forever. Yep. And I love though there is a point because they're going to like all four corners and going out into the crowd. And there is a fan 
standing right in front of Sandman's face, flipping him off right in his face. Mm-hmm. If there's one guy, I probably wouldn't want to flip off right in his. I mean, his finger is within within a foot, if not closer, from Sandman's face. I don't know how Sandman just didn't laugh at the guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I think I could take Sandman. You think so? Depending on his level of drunkenness. <laughs> Sandman gets a chair so the woman can get up on the apron. Sandman then finally gets in the ring, and he climbs up the ladder, and then Mikey comes out. By the way, tidbit, do you know, which I think is what helps get the Mikey character really over. Do you know what Mikey's real theme music is? No. It was Beck's Loser. You know the song Uh, Loser? Right. it works like for right. that character to be yeah. coming out talking about being a yeah, loser. It does, and I think that helped yeah, get it, it get does. it over. Yeah, um, we do not get that version on the WWE no, Network. We don't. We get generic, boom, cha cha, something like that. Um, Pinner submits the only way to win this ladder match, uh, as Travis said. Woman then throws the belt at Mikey's feet and puts the cane over it, just kind of intimidating him. But Steve Austin makes his way out, and I. I put in a nice orange tank top and bandana. Someone called him a Hulk Hogan wannabe. All these guys currently have bandanas yeah. on. Well, as, Mikey, Sandman, of course, but as, Austin as too. Joey says on commentary, he says he is Austin is wearing what he's wearing to mock both challenger and champion. So it's to mock both of them. I don't I don't get the tank top. <laughs> You're right. And I don't yeah. Mikey wears the shorts, so I kinda get get that a little bit i guess but and though this is very important the tank top is tucked in to it the is. shorts so <laughs> it is. that is very and the gold chain on yes it too. Uh, austin then climbs the ladder and says he didn't get to climb the ladder to the top in wcw like this uh he then calls a woman a five dollar piece of ass uh austin then puts over mikey saying he's a go-getter and he respects that but he's still a loser which i love from austin i love him he puts over mikey and then at the very end he's just like ah, you're still a loser though kid yeah. um austin says he's gonna run circles around sam when they finally uh get in the ring and then he says to woman that you married a midget not me so yeah. shot there and joey kind of on commentary goes can we say that like <laughs> the phone's already ringing uh, and this is basically Austin's way of challenging the winner. So Austin says he's going to face the winner of this match. Yeah. So a nice promo again from Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Sandman attacks Mikey with a can of beer from behind. But as that's happening, woman gets carried out of the arena by Austin, and Sandman does not care. Right. It's like, yeah. he's he does, just he like, doesn't really. No, he doesn't but care at all. Sees, I see here that Austin, I know he kind of played up that, hey, he's, he's going to wrestle up $5, mm-hmm. but and he takes her back. But this kind of helps Mikey. It does. Too, so he's subtly helping Mikey here because it's suddenly woman is out of the picture. And I, I think that was his goal. Because if mm-hmm. I'm Steve Austin, and I, I don't know, I kind of know a little bit where the story's going, but if I'm Steve Austin... And you're telling me I have the choice of facing Sandman or Mikey? Or Mikey. I'm picking yeah, Mikey. Pick Mikey for sure. So, yeah. It, now, Austin, the character that he is, can't come out and just blatantly help Mikey. Sure. But little things like yeah, that that he do. Does, yep. It does help him. Uh, we then, uh, Mikey goes under the ladder, hits Sandman three times with the ladder. Mikey then sends Sandman into the railing and then back into the ring. Mikey gets powerbombed on the ladder while he's going for a Frank and Mikey, and that looked rough. Yeah, yeah, it did. 
That Ouch. looks right. Rough. Uh, Sandman um, botches a, a somersault almost. He gets out on the apron. And he almost falls off the apron, and he just kind of smiles. And I think Joey on commentary says, have another one, champ. <laughs> right. Yeah, he did. He <laughs> but did but he does end up hitting the somersault splash onto a ladder. Uh, Sam and then gets a little ladder. He throws it on Mikey on the floor. Mikey then gets sent into the railing. Yeah, that was tough yeah, too. It was brutal. Uh, brutal ladder shots. Sam man, oh, d- just you wait. Yeah. Uh, Sam man bridges the ladder between the ring and the railing, and he suplexes Mikey onto it. Follows that up with a leg drop off the apron to the floor. Mikey reverses a whip, sends Sam man into the railing. He then hits him with a chair three times. Mikey then hits a Frank and Mikey off the bridge ladder. It wasn't great, but I appreciate the effort. Um, Mikey then with some lefts, but gets back dropped into the first row. Same man follows him and they go, if you're spotting, they go right by blue meanie. I did notice some, a bigger guy yep. in the audience. He doesn't have the blue hair yet, sure. but they, they did yeah, go. I did notice a bigger guy. I thought that may have been him, but yep. I also saw a, a fan in the crowd with a mask. And I said, is that Excalibur? Oh, maybe. It didn't look like Excalibur's oh, mask. Darn. But it was a fan and a mask, so I automatically thought it was. Uh, Sandman sends Mike into the ladder as it's bridged, and he he, he whipped him into it, uh, into the blunt end of it. Uh, Sandman with a slingshot splash onto the ladder from the ring, hitting it like a teeter-tire. Sandman with no regard for his own body. No. Just throwing it that out there. crazy. Sandman then hits Hat Guy with the ladder accidentally, right. knocked yeah, his hat did. off. He did. Oh, we saw how dangerous these can be in the front row. Caution Uh, beware. Yes. Sandman with a slingshot elbow, but Mikey moves. And then Mikey throws the ladder on the Sandman and hits him right in the face with the ladder. Mm -hmm. And it's, I know we talked when we first started the podcast, we saw a chair shot to the head and I kind of went, ooh, and you're like, no, it's fine. That one made me go, ooh, that one hurt. Yeah. Because you see Sandman's neck snap back. Like all these liars shots uh, in this match. Um, mm. Mikey then suplexes the ladder onto Sandman, taking a page yeah, out of Sandman's I book. I didn't notice uh, that. But that only got a one. Sandman is busted wide open. Mikey then throws the ladder on Sandman. Mikey goes up top for a top rope splash. He hits it. One, two, three. We have a new ECW world champion. I liked the match. The finish was anticlimactic. Yeah. But it I did come out of nowhere. It, it just. I would have liked it better if Mikey would have won with a roll-up than Mikey. Mikey doing a splash onto the ladder, onto Sandman. It just, I don't know. It left me unsatisfied. Right. Yeah, there was something missing uh, about the finish. I would agree with with that, but I think it's definitely was a, a surprise oh it was people in the arena yep. like sandman has beat mikey so many times before and this time finally mikey gets gets one over on him and, and looks like that training worked with and, public enemy and the the crowd popped big for it, it did, and it however as i i'm sitting here and you mentioned the training with public enemy why did he need to train to go up a ladder when that's not how you won the match right yeah I guess that's. I, I didn't think about flaw. that till right yeah. now. I'm like, wait yeah. a minute. 
And uh, when they were cel- when people come out to celebrate, the locker room does. Where's PE at? There is no Where's yeah, public was, enemy. Yes, I'm going to get to that. Cactus comes out first though, and he hugs Mikey. He raises Mikey's arm, but the pit bull and Axel Rotten take Mikey away from Cactus because they just don't trust him. Mm-hmm. Which I feel I felt bad for Cactus at that yeah, point. Like bit. he just wants to celebrate, he wants to with, celebrate his with his friend. With his buddy. Um, Cactus leaves. Sandman stumbles out as the faces celebrate. My last note: Why isn't Public Enemy out here celebrating? And then we get a video package of Sandman's title reign that included the start date and end date, like it died. <laughs> right. And then we get video from Sandman versus Cactus and Mikey. And Sandman ends the show by saying, "I'm going to do this my way," which I don't know if is from tonight or if it's from another time as they're talking about the whole. Right. recap of his of his title reign but i thought i thought woman's dress it, even though the dress was gold tonight mm-hmm. i i think it was a different one i think it i was thought a it different was too dress the so this is gonna, it would make sense that it was tonight but this is i don't gonna, think it was this is gonna sound really morbid but i think the blood on his head was in a different pattern in the ring i think it was more covering up his face where in the promo at the end is on just the side he could have just wiped it off. Well, he could have, but I think it's from a different day. But he, anyways, yeah. what did you think of that ECW? A title change. Mm-hmm. You had the the good Austin stuff, the public enemy right. stuff. I, I was disappointed not to see. We only got two matches. One of them was a total squash with right, pit yeah. bulls. And nothing from Cactus, Raven, Dreamer, Funk. Yeah. That was a little disappointing. A little bit. But this was the the world title and what we've hyped yep. up the last couple of weeks. And yep. so this puts a I, – I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I definitely went back to I, – I watched the match twice with mm-hmm. Sandman and Mikey, and I thoroughly enjoyed it both times. Is it, that was very cool. As far as an episode goes, this one or the double dog collar? Uh, see, that one came first for me. It, so it did. I, I think I'll stick with the double. I, dog I like collar. the double dog collar match and yeah. and that show and and the conclusions kind of mm-hmm. of everything. Um, but this was a great yeah, was right there. Yeah, right up there. So ECW, we said at the beginning when we started this podcast, it wasn't our cup of tea. It just wasn't that great. It's starting to build some momentum. Mm-hmm. It's starting to get better, and I think a part of that is because they're going to a big show. Because sure. before they were just kind of building a gangster's paradise, but it really wasn't. And then right before you get there, half the gangsters are gone. And then right after that, they're gone completely. Yeah. Like, we haven't seen the gangsters since. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But still, very good episode. Very good episode, Travis says. Well, let's see if the goodness continues as we move to WWF Superstars. WWF Superstars. Vince, Jerry Lawler, and Jim Ross are on the call. We start off with our opening contest as Hunter Hearst Helmsley pins Mike Legacy after a pedigree in 2 minutes and 28 seconds. Um, Then we see uh, footage of the end of the Razor Ramon-Owen Hart match from Raw, including Ahmed Johnson slamming Yokozuna. As Helmsley is walking backstage, Henry Godwin is coming down the aisle for his next match, and Godwin teases slopping Helmsley, but WWE officials intervene to stop that from happening. We move to our next match, which is Henry Godwin beating Otis Apollo after the slop drop at 225. 
That is Phil Apollo, but he is now going by the name Otis, and uh, don't know why. It's never said. Um, so there you go. McMahon does a... Vince does a pig call during the match and tries to get Lawler to do so throughout the contest as well. I kind of want to see that. Uh, Jim Ross interviews Henry Godwin, who says the next time Helmsley crosses his path, he is going to beat him and slop him. At that point, we get a Bill Clinton impersonator who hypes Survivor Series in the Lincoln Memorial. We'll see that again. Uh, the Pog craze is clearly fizzling out by this point. Barry Dodinsky offers fans 1,000 matte caps in a plastic bag and two gold slammers for $21. Again, we will see more about that. Um, there's a call 1-900-737-4WWF to solve a mystery on option three where the million-dollar corporation has stolen all of the WWF title belts. Okay. That's an option on the phone. Yeah. Remember, it's a dollar forty nine a minute. Do you think that they they just kept it going? Oh, yeah. I'm sure they, they did. just kept they tried it going. To squeeze as much money out of. Oh as yeah, yes. Uh, our next match: Bam Bam Bigelow beats Scott Demore after a slingshot flying headbutt in two thirty nine. Uh, Vince makes fun of Demore's weight and back hair as Bigelow sleepswalk his way through this squash, uh, which is pretty sad for Bigelow that now he's just a regular guy after main eventing WrestleMania and King of the Ring both earlier this year. Uh, Vince was noticeably bored calling this match, which is not a good sign for Bam Bam. No. The Bonnie Donnas are shown training Rad Radford backstage, and they get upset after finding some candy underneath his T-shirt as he goes to do sit-ups. <laughs> uh, Lawler then conducts a special interview with Goldust, who has a small paparazzi crew taking his picture as he walks to the ring. Goldust quotes House of Wax and calls out Bam Bam, who responds by walking into the ring. Um, it's very dark, so you really can't tell what's going on. Um, Bigelow demands a feature match against Goldust, who accepts by saying that Bigelow will remember his name. We'll see a recap of that as well. Next match, King Mabel pins Tim McNinney after a belly-to-belly slam in 237. Uh, Paul Bear warns Mabel that The Undertaker will get revenge for his disfigured face. Um, and Ross laments that The Undertaker missed Halloween this year because of Mabel, which somehow means that their feud has kicked it up a notch because he missed Halloween. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that that is uh, Undertaker's favorite holiday. I bet it is. Yeah. I bet it is. And in your main event, Bret Hart with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders beat Sid with the Million Dollar Corporation and Skip. Don't know why Skip's there, but he's there. Uh, after a schoolboy in 8 minutes and 15 seconds, the match is not billed as a lumberjack match, but it might as well be as each man has multiple seconds accompanying them to the ring as they serve the same role as lumberjacks do throughout the match. Now, the Rough Riders, in case you want to know, they're coming off a 6-12 and season in the Canadian Football League, so probably shouldn't be in a wrestling ring, probably should be on the football field trying Practicing, to get better. Practicing, yeah. trying to get better. The match did get a lot of promotion before the taping with the Rough Riders making an appearance at a WWF press conference and getting into a tussle with the corporation. Now, according to Brett, Sid did not want any of the Rough Riders touching him, and Brett had to talk him into doing so. The match could generate a reaction from the crowd. No. Sid not wanting something to go good? Yeah. Now, if they would have been softball yeah, team instead say, of a football team. Yeah, he would have been all about it, and I'm sure he wanted to have that. He wanted to have a softball game. And just so you know, Skip, why was he there? Well, it's very simple. His purpose becomes clear as he eats a shoulder tackle from one of the Rough Riders 
to keep the crowd engaged during a Sid chin lock spot. So Skip's there to bump. Right, yeah. Uh, the match picks up after the commercial break. Brett scores some near falls. Uh, Corporation tries to beat up Brett at ringside. Brett goes under the ring and surprises Sid with a schoolboy after Sid jaws one of the Rough Riders on the apron for the win. After the match, Brett is lifted on the Rough Riders' shoulders. And fireworks go off possibly commemorating the continuation of Brett's 10-match winning streak. The wrestling was basic, but the Rough Riders played their role well, and the crowd was into it, and it got three stars. Wow, on superstars. On superstars. Superstars, three stars. Doc Henderson hypes Survivor Series, and The Undertaker, with his face shrouded in darkness, says that it is time for him to get a WWF title shot, which he is scheduled for on the house show circuit after the pay-per-view. Brett tells the announcers that he feels confident about Survivor Series, and then he looks forward to being to there being a winner after his last two matches against Diesel have had inconclusive finishes. And tune in next week. You ready to see next week, Travis? What's going on next week? The Smoking Guns defend the WF Tag Team titles against Razor Ramon and the 1-2-3 Kid. A rematch from In Your House. Yeah. I remember yep. Kid challenging him yep. to that. Also, uh... On this week, there was a house show in Indianapolis. Huh. Yeah. Cool. That would have featured Fatu against the Brooklyn Brawler. That's mm-hmm. great, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, smoking Guns versus Sid and Kama. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. Sounds that's like great. it. Great. Great stuff right there. Sounds so that's, like it. That's your, uh, your superstars. So would you have traveled all the way to Indianapolis for that uh, house show, Travis? No. Okay. No, probably well, not. I thought I'd ask. All right, let's move on to WCW Saturday Night, or as Dusty Rhodes likes to call it, the Mothership. WCW Saturday Night from November 4th. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. What's that? I had to sneeze. Our opening contest, Paul Orndorff pinned Rick Garcia after a pile driver in a minute 50. Now, this match was joined in progress due to another programming preempting Saturday night. Orndorff struggles thanks to his recent string of bad luck, but Garcia botches a top rope maneuver. Orndorff follows with a pile driver for the win. After the match, Orndorff looks into the ringside camera and begs Gary Spivey to call him. Mm-hmm. Gary, call me Gary. Why haven't you called Mr. Wonderful back? I don't know. After that wonderful appearance at Paul Brown. This whole thing doesn't make sense. Because there for a while he was winning, and he was right. still wanting Gary. Yeah. He's winning, but he's barely winning. And Then he broke the mirror, and now he's on a losing streak. Yeah, but he so still won in this is. match. He still won. But so barely, why is, though. I guess so. Barely. His, his opponent, who's a jobber, had to make a mistake for him mm-hmm. to win. Yep. We then get Chris Benoit beating Alex Wright with a dragon suplex in 623. Uh, Dusty Rhodes takes a great joy in calling Sonny Ono, Sonny Ono Bono, and cracking jokes at the idea that Bobby Heenan has the authority to sell airtime on WCW Pro. Um, A collision off the ropes where it appears that Wright was going to try a hip toss spot, buckles the young German's knee, and injures it, which is why Wright has not been wrestling on Nitro with Guerrero the past several weeks. They do not go home, though, with Wright taking a stiff chop, a clothesliner, and a lion tamer before doing a few reversal sequence. Wright hits his mixel dropkick, but Benoit switches out of a German suplex and hits the dragon for the win. Hopefully, Wright got some street cred in the locker room for how he worked this match on a busted knee. It got two and three-quarter stars. Some street cred. Street cred, yes. (laughs) 
The Nasty Boys beat State Patrol when Brian Nobbs pinned Lieutenant James Earl with the Nasty Splash in 5.53, which I think is about five minutes too long for a Nasty Boys match. Yeah, I would agree. uh, As the note said, since Harlem Heat has the tag titles, it seems inevitable that we will get another clash between them and the Nasties. So hooray for that one. Uh, Gene Okerlund interviews the Nasties, who say that they have been gone because they are too nice. That's why they've been gone. They call out Harlem Heat for a title shot and a promo that is identical to the one they cut in the spring when they were also going after the titles that were held by Harlem Heat. Copy-paste, high five. Yeah, basically, just copy and paste that. Uh, VK Wall Street beat Mike Davis after the stock market crash in 355. Um, It's a terrible match from all accounts. Uh, Wall Street working with a lot of rest holes in between two fluke pin attempts by Davis. He finishes the match with a stock market crash and tells the cameraman that people better start paying the Wall Street as we continue to flirt with WF gimmick infringement. Because it used mm-hmm. to be pay the IRS, but yeah, yeah pay the yeah. Wall Street, which it, makes it's no, different. Totally no, different. It's no sense, though. It makes no sense, but it's totally different, so you can't have anything against us. Okerlund then interviews Wall Street. He says VK in his name does not stand for very kind, and that WCW will quickly realize that. In actuality, of course, you know, those were his initials because first two initials of Vince's name. Wall Street vows revenge on Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who cost him a match against Sergeant Craig Pittman on WCW main event. Pittman got a win? Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Over that guy who was touted on the first episode of Nitro? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman beat Dave Sullivan and Cobra when Pillman pinned Cobra after the Atomic Blonde in 514. Shivani hypes well, Sullivan is a replacement first for the Renegade, with no explanation given as to why Renegade was not appearing. This doesn't show up. Cobra shows no signs of disappointment, but he is used to his partners deserting him. Shivani hypes Cobra as a CIA special ops agent, which is laughable because if the CIA were training wrestlers, they would likely last more than three minutes in a singles match. That's They'd true. probably help them overcome more two-on-one beatdowns as well, which Cobra falls victim to in the closing moments of the match. And in one of the most comedic finishes in tag team history, Sullivan throws himself on top of Cobra as Pillman goes to the top rope for the Atomic Blonde. Pillman looks on it in disbelief, laughs, and then splashes both of his opponents and still pins Cobra anyway, with Shivani and Dusty baffled as to what Sullivan was trying to do. One and a half stars, by the way. We then get a WCW Tag Team Championship match as Harlem Heat takes on the Blue Bloods, and Harlem Heat got the win when Booker T pinned Lord Steven Regal after Colonel Robert Parker interfered in 13-12 shown. Uh, Blue Bloods were riding a two-match losing streak to the American Males and Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko, so they got a title shot. Lose two yeah, matches? Makes good. Sense. Yeah, makes sense. WCW bookers did not plan this one out very well. Dusty attributes the Blue Bloods' lack of success to the fact that they do not embrace the school of clubberin chastaining their technical offense is weak and ineffective. Dusty. Clubberon. Yeah, yeah. That might be a step too far, but the Bloods' offense in this match is really boring, making a five-minute heat segment on Booker T feel like 20. Even Shivani grows bored, leaving Dusty to talk to himself. Oh, good (laughs) gravy. Um, Dusty playing solo on commentary. (laughs) That doesn't sound good. Booker makes the hot tag to Stevie Ray, only to tag him back in seconds later so that he can do the heat bomb, but Eaton breaks it up with a uh, 
to trigger a four-way brawl. Booker T gets laid out with a neck breaker on the arena floor by Eaton. Regal applies the Regal stretch in the ring. Sherry then takes off her shoe and tries to hit Regal but can't reach her. So Colonel Robert Parker runs out, lays Regal out with the shoe to help Harlem Heat retain. Aside from continuing the purgatory that is the Parker-Sherry storyline, that finish was a good use of Parker. It got one star. Okerlund then interviews Arn and Brian Pillman. They repeat the same lines that the horsemen have been using on all of WCW's television shows this week. And Flair joins the promo late. He says that a fourth man for the horsemen has been found. He does not announce who this person is, though. And tune in next week as we'll see Arn Anderson face Kurosawa. Disco Inferno debut a new music video. And Hacksaw Jim Duggan. It says Hacksaw Jim Duggan keeps tracing his taped fist roots. Because so. mm. I remember last week he was in Ireland. Yeah. So, yep, tracing those roots and can't wait for that disco music video. Music video, you're pumped about it. Don't, oh yeah, don't hide it oh, from me. Yeah. You know you want it. All right, you ready to move on to uh, Monday Night Raw? Yeah, uh, let's get okay. to it. All right, let's get to it. Monday Night Raw. We get a recap last week on Raw. Recapping Ahmed Johnson slamming Yoko and video of what's happening tonight is showing in the clips, and I hate when they do that. Right, yeah, I knew you'd, I knew you'd love that. Nah. Actual highlights of the show. I also hate the last week on Raw recaps because it tells you nothing is happening this week. Last yeah. week on Raw. I mean, I get why they recap it, so I'm not as bothered with that as you are, And but I, I don't like the highlights of this week either. So I don't mind them. I just wish that you found a more organic way to get to the recap as opposed to just starting out the show by saying last week on Raw. Like, get to it organically. Yeah. Anyways. I guess. guess We get our intro and we start the show with Bulldog making his way down to the ring. And uh, it's going to be the British Bulldog versus Mario Gennetti. And we are lucky enough because Jerry the King Lawler is wrestling tonight to be joined by Doc Hendricks for the whole damn show. Uh, yeah, Doc Hendricks on commentary is its not the greatest. would rather have King here, but I understand getting prepped for his match. But we have to suffer with Doc Hendricks for the rest of the show. I'd rather have Vince by himself. <laughs> or why couldn't it be Vince and JR? Yeah, that's a good point. That would have worked. Yeah. But no, you got to nope, give me it's Doc. Be Doc. Ugh. So we get a recap of last week with Marty attacking Bulldog, and Bulldog uh, starts to match off with a headlock. And Travis, I came up with a, a drinking game for you. Oh no! Yes. What is it? It'll have you. It it'll have you passed out by the end of our show. And that is, take is a drink every time I mention headlock. headlock yes. Log, yep. Yes. There's, there's, there's so many of them. It's quite a few. This match to begin with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Bulldog starts off with a headlock, a big shoulder block, then Janetti with a headlock. And a poke to the eye. Janetti then with the arm of Bulldog. Janetti with a big enziguri for two. Janetti with the arm uh, of Bulldog. Bulldog the press slams Janetti onto the top rope. We then get a promo from Clarence Mason, who says that basically due to his awesome lawyer skills, Bulldog will face the winner of Brett and Diesel in December at the In Your House. And I put, I hate with a passion pre-booking for the next pay-per-view. Why? Because you have to get to this one first. Yeah. For example, Bulldogs in the wild card match at Survivor Series. Yeah. 
let's say, hypothetically, Bulldog gets injured in that match. Shoot. Now what do you do? You right. already announced the main event for the next pay-per-view. Right. Yeah. It, it was I can see that, but... It was less concerning to me whenever they had Brett facing the winner of Diesel and Bulldog at Survivor Series because he wasn't in a match at in your house. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it made more sense. But since Bulldog has a match, you shouldn't be booking through. Yeah, I can see the point of if Bulldog get, gets injured, but you had to kind of tie up that storyline from last I week know. of uh, Cornette and, and Mason with... Gorilla and arguing I think, that Bulldog should be the number one contender instead of Brett. I think, and I, I could be wrong, but just from the way they kind of shot stuff and, and did stuff, I want to say that all this Clarence Mason stuff starting last week was rewritten on the fly. Hmm. I don't think he was supposed to be as involved as he was because it was a couple weeks ago he first debuted. Yeah. And then there was two weeks of nothing after they talked about him all show. Yeah. And now he's back all over the show. So right. I'm thinking that they didn't have this as a big fleshed out thing. He was just supposed to make the one argument, mm-hmm. and then that was it. That Maybe was going to be played his part so well. I think he did. He back. does very good. Yeah, yeah, I does. really like Clarence yeah, Mason. Uh, Bulldog with a big standing suplex. Bulldog with a big hair pull on Janetti. Bulldog with a headlock. <laughs> Bulldog with a big knee to the stomach and a headbutt for two. Another headlock from Bulldog. Bulldog keeps yelling to Marty, come on, come on, come on. Uh, Janetti with a crucifix for two. Chris Jericho? I think so. That's where Jericho learned it from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bulldog's then up with a big clothesline and a running leg drop for two, and Hogan freaked out out in Venice Beach. <laughs> yeah. Brother. Janetti's uh, sent into the corner as we go to break. We come back, and Bulldog with another headlock. Uh, double shoulder block, and both go down. Bulldog gets a two out of that. Bulldog then comes up with another headlock. Bulldog then throws Janetti out to the floor. Cornette gets a few shots on the floor to Marty. Uh, Marty with a sunset flip, but Bulldog blocks it. Cover again for a one count. Bulldog with a headlock. Janetti with a few shoulders in the corner, but he misses a drop kick and gets caught on the top turnbuckle with his leg underneath, and Bulldog goes running at him uh, with the shoulder. That was a nice-looking spot because yeah, Janetti got there very organically. Right, yeah. Uh, that's one of those that if you get it, it's awesome, and if you don't, you look like an yeah, idiot. Yeah, it looks bad. Uh, Bulldog with a snap mare and goes for another headlock. I put at this point that this match sucks. <laughs> it's not good. It should be better, but they're right. they're for some reason they're really containing themselves. Like I'm not the biggest Marty Janetti fan in the world, but let Marty do what he does and let him run circles around Bulldog. I don't remember what Marty was doing last week because that was a week ago. He had the match. He had a. a I want to say a jobber match. Yeah. I, I I was thinking that it was a jobber match, but, I mean, you got to look. In, in real life, this is taped, so this is his second match of the I know. of the evening. And I don't understand why Bulldog's going to all these chin locks and headlocks and stuff, whatever you want to call them. But I don't know why he's going to that. But, yeah, it definitely should have been better. Well, and not only that, but even even if the fact that, yes, it's his second match in the night, we as fans shouldn't. To us, it's another we don't week, know that. right? So you have to you have to act like it's a, a yeah. regular week. Uh, back elbow from Janetti uh, hits a nice flip neckbreaker off the top rope, uh, which in later years would be Masato Tanaka's finisher called the Diamond Dust. Ooh, how about mm. that? Yeah, nice. um, we get a leg lariat from Marty Bulldog sent to the mat. 
Uh, face first, Janetti up top. Bulldog moves. Janetti then hits a DDT out of nowhere for two. It was a nice-looking DDT. Bulldog put his foot on the rope. Uh, Bulldog moves those. Janetti's running in the corner. Janetti then hits his shoulder on the post, running power slam for the win, and we get a replay of the finish. Not a great opening match. We get pre-recorded comments. should have been better. Yes, it should have. Uh, and I think that's what bugs me the most about it is I know these guys have potential to put on a good match and they just didn't for whatever reason. Pre-recorded comments from a Clinton impersonator to talk about the WF being one of America's best exports and that he will be at Survivor Series. Great. The president of the United States is going to take time out of his his time as president to be in attendance at Survivor Series. How if, ridiculous is that? If the WWF is one of America's best exports, I feel bad for America because <laughs> this is one of WWF's worst years. Worst years, yeah. Or maybe they should have gone more global if they're so great at an export. But either way, uh, we go back to Doc who interviews Cornette and Bulldog. Again, it's weird because Doc's on commentary. Why is he doing interviews? Couldn't you had Todd, or couldn't you have had JR? Or King did that. Yeah, I guess King did do that. Uh, Cornette and Bulldog. Uh, Cornette says that Monsoon was forced into doing what was right. Cornette then talks about the wild card match and how it's all set up, and then Bulldog has a promo, and I put it was bad. I don't even know what he said. It was not. I didn't think it was that good of a promo from Bulldog. Yeah, I didn't really put anything yeah. down either. Just kind of basically that would be world champ. Yep. Comes uh, to, in your house. When we, we cut to, which again... Talk to me about wildcard match first. Uh, cut to Hakushi talking with Barry Horowitz and Bret Hart. And Bret says that you and me, number one. So that's how you speak to someone who speaks a different language. You just talk really slowly and use your hands. And he goes, you, me, number one. Yeah. Thanks, Bret. Back and we get the recap from Survivor Series or from Superstars with Goldust interviewing and Bam Bam challenging Goldust. And the match has been made for Survivor Series. And what I liked when they showed that match graphic is if you looked, the background was all gold. Right, As opposed yeah. to the other ones, it's red, white, and blue. And you see like the White House, I think, Capitol. or the Capitol building. Yep. This, you still saw that, but it wasn't red, white, and blue. It was just all gold. gold. Yep, I thought that was a nice touch as well. But at the same time, it makes me feel really bad for Bam Bam because you wouldn't go to that effort. Because even Bam Bam inside was gold. Like, it was gold everywhere. So, you can tell what's happening there. We then get our next match. Henry Godwin versus Terry Rhino Richards. We get a recap from two weeks ago on Superstars. As well as last week on Superstars with Godwin Triple H. Um... Again, Terry Richards will be known as Rhino. Uh, Richards gets a few shots in the corner, but Hog moves. I started putting Hog, Hog. for Hen- Henry like Godwin. Yeah. Like and hits a slam and a big jumping elbow. Godwin with a headlock. <laughs> yep. Runs him into the corner. Godwin with a leg drop on the apron. Godwin with a back elbow. Richards then gets booted in the midsection. Godwin hits the Hog drop for the win. Uh, after the match, though, Triple H attacks Godwin from behind. And Triple H with the pedigree on the floor... And Triple H then puts on gloves, grabs the slop bucket, and he slops Godwin. Mm-hmm. Oh. Boom. Got him. That'll oh. teach him. We then get a commercial for the WrestleMania arcade game. Not a good game. Don't go buy it. No? I thought it was a classic game. <sighs> okay, between Not that, a lot to do in that it, but... and next year's In Your House, which one are you buying? Ooh. In Your House. Because In Your House had the specialty arenas for each guy. Yeah. Whereas WrestleMania is just 
plain. But WrestleMania, that's just the classic, man. Ugh. I'm more favored towards WrestleMania. Oh, man. We'll have a talk later. <laughs> when we get a Survivor Series Slam Jam with Todd, because we don't have Doc, uh, on WWE. I don't know if that's an improvement or not. It's not. No. It's not. No. Uh, on Mania, Mabel challenged The Undertaker, so it will be the dark side versus the Royals. Uh, we then get a Paul Bear promo with Undertaker. They, Undertaker says no Royal will survive the wrath of The Undertaker uh, and that all the Royals will rest in peace. But he's keeping his back to the camera, so we still don't know what his face looks yeah, like. Yeah, we don't know what his face looks like, but that's because that's not actually Undertaker standing there. <laughs> oh, really? It's what it sounded like to me. <laughs> it did not say, I will give you credit, it did not sound like Undertaker. Well, I mean, it didn't sound like he was there. Yeah. So it sounded like it was recorded somewhere else, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was just it, they never showed his face. So naturally, you think that oh, it was no, it's because his face is broken. You know, don't know what he's I know gonna. That's the story. Don't that's know what he's story. gonna look like. Mm-hmm. I'm not excited for that one. <laughs> let's let's say who's on the teams. It's it's Savio, Fatu, Hog, and Taker. That's the dark side, because all those characters are definitely the dark side. Make a difference, Fatu, dark side. Caribbean legend, dark side. A farmer, dark side. All the dark side. Versus the Royals, which at least makes sense. And that's Mabel, Triple H, Lawler, and Isaac Yankum. The King of Crowns. Yeah. Yeah, that one makes sense. But the the dark side is a little random, apparently. It appears random. BSK you, for life. Yeah, if you know anything about BSK for it's not life, not so random anymore. I'm surprised Taker didn't find a way to get Yoko on that team. Right, yeah, he's uh, gonna be in the wild card. Yoko. Anyways, uh, we then get a Diesel promo, and he's being Mister Cool, and he says it's gonna be man against man, Brett. We're gonna finally find out who is the best. Lame. It was a lame promo. Why is '95 one of the worst years in company history? I present argument A. This is not on the ECW level of promos. No, <laughs> no, no it's it's, it's nowhere it's close. No. And I've heard in years past that Diesel has argued that he didn't have good opponents. This does not matter who your opponent is when you're cutting crap promos. Right. Yeah. But at least we are going to get a world title match on one of the four, big four pay per views because. Rumble, it was not the main event. Yep. It wasn't the main event. Kind of a mania. Yep. That yep. So, oh, I, I'm sorry. I forgot. We had Mabel Diesel at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. And Todd. How did you forget? Oh, I forgot the moment I quit watching it. Uh, Todd says that this will be the greatest WF title match ever. And I hate when WWF does this. Don't call something great before it happens. Right. Yeah, they they do it in recent times, death. too. It's always the kiss of death. It's kind of like every time there's a WrestleMania. And you hear someone say that they want to be just like Steamboat and Savage and seal the show. That match is going to stink. It's just don't yeah, just put these yourself. things in our in our head. Yeah, too high of expectations yep. and you fall short. Yeah, definitely agree. So we go to our next top match, which is Kama versus Tony Roy. And Barry Dodinsky's out there with a Ziploc bag of a thousand mat caps plus two slammers. We go to break. So I'm assuming people mat were like caps. Yeah. I don't know what that is. They're like pogs. I mean, you, they look like to me, new generation of like the pop 
pop yeah, tops yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's kind of what they were, I think. On your cell phone. Well, you wouldn't use them on your cell phone. Oh, These not in 95. You no. would push down and it would like invert the half circle and they'd pop up. Yeah, so yeah. it Yeah. It kind of is. Yep. Yeah. Um So I'm not too far off. I love how they went to break like you're going to call your friends and say Kama's making his way out oh, or yeah, Barry Dadinsky has a thousand mat caps oh, yeah, for that's me. That's what it was. Yes. Uh, we do see a replay of Ahmed slamming Yoko again. Don't know why here. We hear Ahmed will make his debut next week, and then we go on the phone during this great match with Shawn Michaels. Shawn says it was nice to get back in the ring on Friday. Shawn says he was a little disoriented after his match, but he's always been a little disoriented, and that he's glad to have Ahmed on his side, but he doesn't know much about him. And he says he may get up by beat up by nine men again at Survivor Series, and I thought to myself, Sean, there's only seven people in the match, minus you. So who are these other two people who are beating you up? Well, yeah, who is the other two people or the other seven people beating up in Syracuse? I'm I'm thinking at, at Survivor Series it's going to be the ref and Vince. That's who I'm hoping for. <laughs> Vince, I'm tired of this, Sean. Uh, Sean says that bad luck is his middle name. Yes, it's, self-deprecating it's HBK. His middle name is Michaels. Just pointing that out. Uh, Sean says that he is friends with both Brett and Diesel, uh, but they aren't getting along and that he expects to see a fight. While all this is happening, Kama gets the win. The whole match is this Sean call, and then Doc is mad that Sean didn't say hi to him. Mm -hmm. Go away, Doc. It's because it was pre-recorded beforehand. It's because, Doc, I wouldn't wouldn't say hi to you either. (laughs) He didn't know you were there. You could give me $1,000, and I would not say hi to Doc Hendricks. We then get a video for next week, Razor versus Sid with Kid as the ref. The title can change hands on a DQ or a countout. Yep. Special to note. Special to note. We then get our main event, Lawler and Yankum versus Hart and Hakushi. But first we get Doc hyping Forever Night coming up after this on USA Network. Can't That's wait. great. And the smoking guns on Karate Fighters. Great had both of those oh, karate figures. We're not talking about karate fighters anymore because I'm seriously mad about that. <laughs> I've had all four that, are, that were shown the last couple weeks. So. Yeah. This podcast may not last long that, if you that, keep talking about that, uh The guy with the mohawk, the, uh-huh. I think his name was Bone Crusher. That was the one. That was my favorite one. I have a Bone Crusher at my house, but it's a monster truck that my son plays with. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, Brett and Hakushi then make their way out. Brett will start with Yankum. We tie up. Yankum forces Brett into the corner. Yankum with a few shots in the corner. Brett moves out of the way, though. Brett then starts working on the arm of Yankum. Brett, however, gets caught in a bear hug, but Brett uh, bits, y- bites Yankum to get out of it. Hakushi tags in with a diving headbutt. Uh, Yankum with the back elbow in the corner. Hakushi with the cartwheel elbow. He, lo- he does such a good job with that move. Mm-hmm. His is much better than the Eliminator's. Because they did that on ECW, but I like how Kushi's more. Oh yeah, Kushi's impressive, but the Cronus being that big, being that big, and yeah, doing that stuff. Yeah. That's, that's true. Impressive too. Uh, Brett beats on Yankum in the corner behind the ref's back. Very healy, Brett. What are you doing? Yep. Uh, Hakushi then runs across the ring with the Bronco Buster. He tags in Brett. Brett with an atomic drop clothesline, followed by a headbutt to the gut for two. Brett then locks in an arm lock, and I appreciate Brett not going for a headlock there. Thank you, Brett. Uh, Brett with a crossbody for two. Brett with a sunset flip for two. Hakushi tags back in. Yankum with a clothesline into the cartwheel elbow. So Hakushi was going for the cartwheel elbow, but Yankum clotheslines him in the back of the head. Looked good. 
I thought it looked pretty good. Yep, second time didn't yep. didn't land. Nope. Uh, Hakushi with a springboard dropkick that sends Yankum out to the floor. Yankum catches Hakushi as he dove to the floor and drives him into the post back first. Yankum then drives Hakushi back first into the ring apron. Uh, Hakushi gets caught in a backbreaker for a two. Lawler then tags in for the first time in this match and hits a pile driver on Hakushi, but doesn't go for the cover. He hits another pile driver uh, on Hakushi, and then Yankum attacks Hakushi from behind. Lawler then chokes Hakushi with his boot. Uh, the heels double-team Hakushi. Uh, Yankum sends Hakushi hard into the corner as we go to break. Come back. Hakushi's in a bear hug. But Hakushi gets out and hits a leg sweep. Uh, Hakushi with a drop kick, but Yankum caught the second time. So he hit it the first time. Yankum catches it the second time. Turns it into a Boston Crab, but Brett makes the save. There was some miscommunication at this point because Brett and Lawler were just kind of standing there for a half a second. It looked really weird. Um, Lawler with a few fist drops. Lawler gets hit coming off the top rope, though. Lawler tags in Yankum. Brett tags in. Brett with a running bulldog. few shots to Lawler. Double noggin knocker. Brett with the Russian leg sweep. Middle rope elbow drop. Brett puts Yankum in the sharpshooter. Yankum is tapping out. Tapping out. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lawler grabs his chair from ringside and is getting in the ring. But Barry Horowitz stops Lawler from using the chair. But when the official turns around, he sees Hor- Horowitz with the chair and Yankum and Lawler win by DQ and my last line you're going to love damn horrible wits yep exactly it's all horrible wits fault it is damn him it wasn't damn that man it wasn't that great of a match right I thought that that <sighs> Brett coming in and Brett being the one to distract the ref and Hakushi getting double teamed didn't make sense to me it would make more sense that Hakushi is the one who keeps getting the ref distracted because he doesn't understand the language. Sure. That would make sense. Yeah. But you can't build to a Hakushi hot tag. And I understand that. Yep, exactly. It was That's just, all that is. It was just weird. But it just felt weird. What's what's up with the DQ finish here? Why do you need to protect? Because they're going Lawler, against the dark side. Lawler and Yankum. They're going against the dark like, side. That's why you have Lawler in there, so you can eat a pinfall and you build up Brett as the number one contender. And Akushi, why not you build him up a little bit, too? I Because Akushi's going to be in the opening match at Survivor Series. But why do you need to so, protect Lawler and Yankum? That's stupid. Because they're half of a team. They're half of a team that we are already looking at going, they have no chance of winning. I guess. So, I don't think Brett needs built up anymore. A win over Jerry Lawler does nothing for Brett. No. And but, a win, another win over Yankum does nothing for Brett. But if he can't even beat Lawler and Yankum in a tag team, why the hell should I carry He got the visual win. He got the visual win. Oh, the visual win. The visual win, which the does count for victory. something. Yes. Does count for something. I guess you got me there. We then get the World Tour de Force uh, commercial again. They're going to be in Columbus, South Carolina, Uniondale, New York, Worcestershire. Worcestershire? Worcestershire? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Worcester, uh, East Rutherford, and then Survivor Series in D.C. And Vincent Doc preview next week as it will be Godwin versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Razor versus Sid, Diesel and Bret Hart have a face to face, and Ahmed's debut. And then we get video. From next week. Mm-hmm. Quick highlights of the show. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm. Didn't not. Didn't enjoy it. Did not enjoy it. It can go away. Yep. 
Raw happened this week. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. This is a tough week as far as the rankings go. Tough week. A tough week. A tough week. Okay. Let's let's take on over to the other other uh, Monday show. WCW Monday Nitro. WCW Monday Nitro, live from Jacksonville, and I thought I was watching a Wednesday night DNT show. Yep, but nope, but we're no. in Jacksonville, we're actually in an arena. In an arena, that's the thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bischoff, Mongo, and Bobby welcome us to the show, and the dog is dressed like a clown. Yep, we're... He's dressed like a clown, Mongo takes a shot at Jimmy Hart, that was saying it was in honor of Jimmy Hart, and we get 45 seconds in where the big boys play. Take so your drink. Take a drink. Take folks. it. There you go. Uh, this is tonight is WCW Interactive Calling Cards. You call the shots where you call in, pick one person from the blue and one from the red, and they will face. And it could not be any more obvious. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get to it later. We then get video of Halloween Havoc, which video of Halloween Havoc, just a mere. 13 days later? Right. That's yeah impressive. You know, I guess it doesn't matter now since you're so far away, I guess, that you don't care about yeah. people buying the replay, yep. maybe. Um, Savage is not cleared to wrestle tonight, and Bobby says that Savage lost it before he even got here. Yeah, Bischoff was saying that he's losing it backstage. He's throwing stuff. Mm-hmm. He's going crazy. And, yeah, he then says he lost it before he got here. We then go to our first match as Cobra comes out with his awesome Morse code theme. Yep, it's great. I thought my my PlayStation was messing up. But at the very beginning, you hear the Dungeon of Doom theme, and then right. it quickly goes to the, the Morse code theme. Cobra, yeah. by the way, found out. We've been wondering this. He's the face. Cobra is a face. Oh. We wondered with the Sergeant yeah, Craig Pittman yeah. who Cobra is a face. Uh, the Giant then comes out with the belt and Jimmy Hart. Uh, giant then holds Penzer and tells Penzer that this is a WCW title match. Bischoff argues, though, this is not a title match because Giant's not the champion, and Giant hits a choke slam for the win. Bischoff called Jimmy Hart a maggot. I did hear that. Yeah, he called him uh, a maggot, so that was <laughs> a little jarring, jarring to hear, but... It makes sense, though, that a maggot would hang around with a big, stinky Giant, though. So, so, yeah. yeah. So just a quick little squash here, you know. Who knew that Cobra had a... World title match. World title match. Yeah, Yeah, quotation marks. We then go to the red locker room with Gene, and in the red locker room you have Norton, Shark, DDP, Flair, Bubba, and Norton and Shark start arguing. Uh, The Blue Bloods then are shown sitting in the back drinking tea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We then go to the blue locker room, which I think had Tony Schiavone in it. And it has Mr. JL, the Nasty Boys, Sting, Bad Sullivan, Alex Wright, and Jim Duggan. The video weirdly goes out, and then it does, like, VCR, like, VHS tape tracking. And it's weird, and I put, what a dumb segment. Yeah, just when I thought that uh, Gene Oakland was in a uh, bizarre locker room, not to be outdone, Tony Schiavone in the blue locker room, Jim Duggan's going back and forth, acting stupid. Here's my thing. You have too many people in these locker rooms. You know what's winning. Mm-hmm. Why not cut it in half, have DDP, Flair, 
and the Blue Bloods in one, and the Nasty Boys, Sting, and Johnny B. Bad in the other. Yeah. Who's calling and voting for Dave Sullivan? Like, no one. Who's yeah. voting for Alex Wright? You know, the hot match of uh, Ming versus Dave Sullivan? Yeah. Or, or Norton versus Sullivan or Big Bubba? Big Bubba uh, versus Jim Duggan. What I want to know is what would have happened if the Nasty Boys won and Flair won? Would it have been a handicap match? Yeah. It would have been. They obviously didn't think that through, did they? Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about that. Like, oh, no, we though. don't because it was probably not real. <laughs> we then go to World War Three hype, and then Bischoff throws to Hulk Hogan, who is in Venice Beach. Oh, man. And this is another one of those segments that I just... Yeah, I, I, is, we can't describe it. This is so bizarre. So we're gonna we're gonna play this for you right so now. Bizarre. This is uh, the pitch to Hogan. something brothers now we're back in venice beach now we've replaced jimmy hart with the head of the war games from venice beach our main man brother we're afraid they might not show up we're afraid we may destroy them all and now that the macho man brother has came into the dark side dude now that he realizes that the training the prayers the vitamins and the demandments are the most important thing brother Stick with me all the way, macho man, in our hit list, brother, a Sullivan, Jimmy Hart, Luger, that stinky, nasty, warden, festive giant, and everybody will fall by the wayside, dude. Stick with me in the dark side, brother. Forever and ever, yeah. Walking the streets just like the brother told us just a little while ago from the dark side. But, folks, how much more do you need to sacrifice? Sullivan took your mustache. Jimmy Hart ripped you between the seas with the red and yellow. The giant took the world belt. And Lex Luger put you in the rack. Don't you understand what he's I been told saying? You, that's you right. told us that. that now, what needs to be done is this. Divide and conquer. You're too emotionally involved with the situation. You take the low road. I'll take the high road. Yeah. You stay now here on the dark know, side huh? with the brother just talking. like he told you before. Yeah, right. And I'll go to the light side, WCW Nitro, and I'll find out who's friend and foe. And then I'll let you know. Do you see where I'm coming from, brother? After you find out who's friend and foe in the light, out, brother. Man. Friend and foe, me and the brother, the head of war crimes, we'll stay on the dark side. We'll stay here, brother, and we'll take care of business, dude. And now that I get the stench of this beast back in my blood, brother, what you gonna do when the dark side of Hulkamania destroys you? Oh, yeah! Yeah, brother! I don't know what this is, Travis. That was a lot more humorous hearing it back than watching it on video. That's right. I, you're not going to win. Yeah. There's a like a street person playing guitar. That's yes. That was at the beginning who, and the very end. Who, even though he made a mistake in his guitar right before Hogan started, it wasn't bad. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a Jimi Hendrix kind of yeah, vibe, of which, course. of course, Hogan, Jimi Hendrix, you know. Yeah. And then Hogan and Savage are talking on a bench. Mm-hmm. They're with what I would assume is a, a homeless person. No, I think it's supposed to be like the Venice Beach version of the Hell's Angels. 
Like he's the leader of no, like yes. Not him. Yes. Because Hogan at the I'm gonna play it back. Here, hold on. You know something, brothers? Now we're back in Venice Beach. Now we've replaced Jimmy Hart with the head of the war games from Venice Beach, our main man, brother. We're afraid they might not show up. We're afraid. Right there, he calls him the head of the war beach. Head of the war games? I think it's war beach. Jimmy Hart. Something, brothers. Now we're back in Venice Beach. Now we've replaced Jimmy Hart with the head of the war games from Venice Beach. Our main man, brother. War team? Head of, head, the... head of the war games from Venice Beach is what I is what I hear. But that doesn't make any sense. But I thought it was just some hobo that they, that they picked up to include in their promo. And then well, I thought visually... What the funniest thing from this video was that in the background when Savage is talking, there's a gentleman with a Yankee hat and sunglasses on, and he is just looking at Savage with bewilderment. Like, what in the fuck is this guy on? What is he saying? What is this crazy person saying? Now, I do think the people in the background um, were possibly homeless. They looked like they may have been on. They just on walked something up too. and walked upon Hogan and Savage cutting a promo. Could you imagine that just being on the beach? It's like, <laughs> wow, there's there's Hulk Hogan there. There's these weird wrestlers or these weird people cutting promos. I'm not gonna find it, Travis. But I I want to know who this guy is. I want to know what his uh, his story is. Um, he's on the boardwalk. So maybe it has something to do with the Venice Beach Boardwalk, but either way, um, I I want to know more. And I thought that Savage was supposed to be in the back, throwing chairs and going crazy. Oh yeah, the yeah, yeah. Weren't cleared. Don't don't worry. Uh, Bischoff will will fill in that loop loophole, which he, doesn't make sense. He but, covers for him. Um, he tries to, anyways. He tries to cover for him. Now you got me. By the way, if you want to look this up, if you just search. Venice Beach, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage. It is on YouTube. The whole segment. And it's Harry Perry. Harry Perry is who this is with. I'm going to turn this down so that the... Is it Harry Perry, the guy that they're talking with, or the guitarist? Harry Perry. Harry Perry on guitar and some other homeless guy. Okay. So, according to YouTube, that is some other homeless guy. But uh, Mark one for me. There you go. I I want more information about this. I I'm. But that's who you heard just going. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. Ah. Yeah. Ah. It was so weird. By the way, you can get this in not one but two different YouTube places. So uh, it's a very popular video, uh, apparently. Um, I've never seen it until now. So yes, I uh, I'm I'm trying to look and see if anyone has any idea. Uh, of who this guy is, but no, all I'm seeing is that it's a bunch of awfulness. So we can tell you that. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, Bischoff says that that was recorded earlier today, and that Savage hopped on a plane and is here now. Mm-hmm. If they don't make the comment at the beginning of the night, right? You wouldn't have had to cover for it here because spoiler, we don't see Savage tonight. Right. right. So 
Yeah. yeah. It's their own fault, but no wonder why Savage is pissed. He hopped a flight <laughs> cross country just to be told that he can't wrestle. <laughs> we then get our Bischoff next. Bischoff could have a phone called him for that. Yeah. Bischoff's very good at using the phone. Yeah. Why didn't he? <laughs> Fired him over the phone just yeah. like he did Austin. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we get our next match. Uh, Kevin Sullivan comes out with Jimmy Hart. He's going to take on Renegade. Renegade runs out to the ring, hits three clotheslines. It's another clothesline, sends Sullivan out to the floor. Jimmy Hart then distracts Renegade, and Sullivan attacks Renegade from behind. Sullivan sends Renegade into the steps. Sullivan with a second rope double stomp. Sullivan with some slaps in the corner. Sullivan sends Renegade into the corner but misses a flip. Uh, A slam by Renegade, a cartwheel elbow, but misses a big boot, does Renegade. By the way, worst cartwheel elbow in the corner. Renegade. Uh, Sullivan with a middle rope double stop for the win. Uh, after the match, Jimmy Hart pours water on Renegade, and he takes off the paint of Renegade, and Hart says, you are nothing. You're just plain old Rick. Mm-hmm. Apparently his name is Rick, and it is. if you remember, Jimmy Hart was the yep. manager of Renegade, yep. so yep. that's what this whole story and is about. He keeps yelling at him, you could have been the next Hogan. Yep. No, we couldn't have, Jimmy. No. 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 Uh, Bobby Heenan called Kevin Sullivan's uh, double stomp finisher here. Yes. The Dungeon of Doom Heimlich Maneuver. You know what I call it? What? An awful finishing move. <laughs> it looks like he hits with no impact. Like, it looks like a but baby just jumping. Top all of a sudden. Uh, well, it's but, great. But he can't, he can't jump from the well, top. Well, that's true. That's true, but all of a sudden you climb one more rope. And okay, all of a sudden it's a great if you're finish. comparing Finn Balor's double stomp <laughs> to Kevin Sullivan's, we can no longer have this podcast, Travis. <laughs> I mean, they're basically the same thing, no, except, for, not. except for a one rope difference. Balor goes up and then comes down. Sullivan just falls off a cliff. He basically takes a step, and that is his finishing move. Kevin Sullivan for you. The task <sighs> math. Duh. Oh, yes. Great. Ah, yes. Sullivan, my... Anyways. Ah, we, <laughs> we go to the red locker room. Mean Gene at this point has his coat off, and I want to know what happened right. to Mean Gene. Because, starting to sweat. Yes, and then the lights go off for some reason. Um, and then Flair cuts a crazy promo that you really can't understand what he's saying. Right. I, I don't get it's these segments. About, it's just about the fiery promos about Sting. I didn't really write anything what? down because I was distracted by William Regal in the background. Yes. His facial expressions were funny. Too many people in one area for a segment, again, you don't need. It wasn't like a long segment. The promo didn't mean anything. You don't need it. Mm-hmm. This whole interactive thing is dumb because I they loaded it so it would be the match they wanted. Of course. But if that's the match you wanted, then just don't do the just whole calling thing yeah. and just book it. Yeah. I agree, but it's to make the audience think that they're being helpful. No, they're not. They don't care about the audience. We all know that. Uh, next, Eddie will be taking on Chris Benoit. We see with the graphic, and then we get a preview of Saturday Night, and this is where... We were told it's going to be Arn Kurosawa, the disco debut video, and that Duggan goes to Ireland. Yeah. That sounds like a horrible, like, mid-90s, like, rom-com or, like, a an Jim awful Duggan movie. Duggan goes to Ireland. Not Jim. Don't put Jim. Just put oh, Duggan. Duggan goes to or Ireland. Or Hacksaw goes to yeah, Ireland. Hacksaw, that's what it is. Yeah. 
There we go. <laughs> yeah. He looks, to be fair, Duggan, if you you think of an Irish push person, you think of oh, Jim Duggan. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I just wish they would have gone a little further with it and he no longer carried the American flag. He comes out with the Irish flag. He doesn't do the hoe anymore. Mm-hmm. It would be another five years until that happens. Anyways, uh, Benoit versus Eddie. Benoit is in yellow and black for this. Eddie comes out and gets pyro. Uh, Benoit attacks Eddie before the bell. Benoit with a big cross chop, snap suplex. Benoit with a big back suplex. Benoit, big spine buster and a lion tamer by Benoit. Uh, there's a New Japan contingency shown, uh, including Jushin Thunder Liger. He's one I saw. Uh, he kind of sticks out. Um, I think Chono was there, um, as well as Kensei Sasaki was there, I believe, as well. And how fitting you have the New Japan guys show up during the Eddie Benoit match. Of course, yeah. Because we can't have good wrestling. We gotta cut to something during a good wrestling match. Well, and I I thought it was more so of these guys can actually wrestle, right? And this would be a good tie-in with Japan, the Japan guys. But again, and I recognize the Japan guys, but I don't know their yeah. names besides Liger, of course. Yes, but again, Eddie Benoit, Eddie Malenko. These good technical matches, you're going to distract me to something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Eddie uh, gets out of a power bomb, hits a total world slam, a running elbow from Guerrero. Eddie goes up top and he dives out to Benoit on the floor with a cross body. And he then hits a big brain buster and Bischoff just starts talking about Hogan. Dude. Again, mm-hmm. every week. I appreciate that they're giving us these great matches, but talk about the matches. Even if you don't know any of the moves or holds, as Steve Austin would say, give it a shot. Attempt something. Get Tanae in there. Ooh, anything. Yeah. Tanae would help out a lot with these cruiserweights. I'm just so tired of, you know, we had Sullivan Renegade. Why not talk about Hogan then? It kind of ties in with the story. Why couldn't you have talked about Hulk Hogan then? No. Nope. got to do it during Let's Eddie and Benoit. It's got to be this, and also he slipped in before that. He slipped in a big boy's play. This is oh, where the sorry. big boy's play. Sorry. Because he's talking about the cruiserweight title. Yep. Yep, that's Even right. Big boys, cruiserweight title. Did you take your drink? Yeah, I did. Okay. I did. Um, I'll pause. There we go. Uh, Benoit with a top rope superplex for two, and his superplex, it hurts him more. He lands on the top of his head every single time. Mm-hmm. Uh, another concussion for Benoit. Uh, Benoit with a big power bomb for two. Short arm clothesline Benoit. Eddie, though, with a victory roll for two. Uh, Benoit, though, gets back on top. Eddie counters Benoit for two. Uh, German suplex by Benoit for two. Benoit holds on and counters the German into a Northern Lights suplex for two. Benoit then went for the Dragon Suplex, but instead Eddie su- uh, instead he suplexed Eddie onto the top rope. Uh, they start flying fists. I'm just Eddie's on the apron. They just start yeah, hammering they start each other. At it, the crowd gets into yep. it with when they started trading blows like that. Uh, Eddie countered a back suplex for the win, but Benoit's feet were under the ropes. Kind of reminiscent of a in your house finish. Yeah, I didn't get that. I didn't get that vibes, but yeah. I mean, it's the exact same thing. It so, it is. But I just noticed these things of Benoit that we've seen it already. The vicious power bomb. Yeah. Oh yeah. The suplexes and the slams to Eddie. He is trying to prove a point. Yeah. It was. 
Bischoff complimented Eddie with his resiliency of taking all those moves and still kicking out. What, would you say, how long do you think that match was, Travis? Ten minutes? Yeah, it's probably close to ten. For ten minutes, we went from Jacksonville across the world to Japan, and now we're coming back to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So, yep. they took us on a journey. And uh, apparently, uh, Nick Patrick is not the only referee that is an idiot. Yes. In, w- in WCW. I think all the refs are idiots in WCW. No, not all of them. Randy Anderson. Yeah, he's not. Nope. But nope. Everybody else. We maybe. then go to the Blue Rock locker room with Tony, and people are just screaming, and it's bedlam. Duggan's throwing chairs. Duggan's throwing chairs and taping his fist. And, and Alex Wright and... JL are just standing there. Yes, and JL's just like nodding his head. Cause like I think <laughs> it was either this one or the first one. Sting kind of tries to do a promo and saying how we can't wait to get Flair. And JL's just standing there, like shaking his head. Like, do you understand Sting. that if Sting faces Flair, you don't get a match? So don't shake your head. Like, yeah, yeah. It was the second one where Sting <sighs> talks and, and that's a promo. I put, why have this many people to vote for when you know it's going to be Sting and Flair? I loved his thing. Cuts a promo on Flair and said that he's gonna leave him for dead. Yes, just like yes. he did, and he said that he would if Flair turned on him. Yep. And a nasty's trying to <laughs> jump in there with, yeah, the same goes for the blue bloods. <laughs> yeah. like, Shut up, nasty boys. Uh, yes, there's only one person we want to see here. Yes. Uh, back, we get a Slim Jim ad as well as a Fall Brawl video commercial. So you can get your Fall Brawl tape now, which still has Vader on the cover and Vader's name at the top, even though he is not anywhere yep. near. Still has a man on the Couldn't didn't even appear on the show. Couldn't have fixed that? Nope. Couldn't okay. Do. Didn't have a month or two to work on that, did you? Nope. nope. Okay. So we then get our main event, which is voted on by you, the fans, and it's Sting and Flair. Shocking. Uh, we see Heenan drinking some sake. Uh, earlier, Heenan said that WCW Pro will show the Japanese matches because they're uh, he's they're tired and and Heenan's tired of them being kind of put down, is what I I guessed. Um, it, they didn't kind of really elaborate much on it, but mm-hmm. it's just kind of planting seeds right now. My next sentence, and it will come back to prove me wrong, is I put I don't expect this match to have a finish. That's what that's what booking would tell me. Would say, yeah, yep. that's what history would tell you. Uh, Sting won't let Flair get into the ring. Sting then attacks uh, Flair. When Sting came down to the ring, he was all business. Oh yeah, he just didn't do any no. normal stuff that he does. It I don't even think he had a jacket, business. did he? Nope. nope. Neither did Flair. Neither did Flair. Flair was robeless. Yeah, they forgot the. Uh, the trunk that had all the uh, jackets and robes yeah, in it, I, I think. So. I guess so, but that seemed very strange. Flair yes. not walking out without his Ed, robe. Eddie had even his, a t-shirt. Eddie had his jacket. He did. That's because he's smart and he has it in his carry-out. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, Sting with punches to the head and a big press slam. Sting with a 10 punch in the corner. JR is livid. Flair goes up and over. Sting clotheslines him on the apron. Sting sends Flair into the railing. Sting then no-sells Flair's chops. Flair tries to chop him. Sting no-sells it. Sting being very aggressive with Flair. Uh, Flair, though, does hit a suplex on the floor, but Sting gets right back up. But he misses the Stinger splash on the railing. We go to break. We get another World War III hype. Flair is now in control of Sting. Flair with a kick to the ribs of Sting. Flair with a back suplex. Flair with a figure four grabbing the ropes. Sting then drags Flair to the middle of the ring, and Sting stings up. Sting reverses the figure four. Flair, though, kicks the leg, but Sting starts to fire up again. Sting with another press slam. 
Sting with a hip toss and drop kick, but Flair pokes the eye. Flair throws Sting to the floor. Flair double axe handle to the floor off the apron. Uh, Flair with chops, another eye rake. Flair has a chair, but the ref stops him from using it. Flair then pushes the ref, um, which they say is going to lead to a fine. So, but he can af- he can afford he it, can so it's okay. It. That's what Ian said. Uh, Flair with a right hand. Bischoff says that we have a big announcement after this match, so stick around. Right, he's pretending like he got handed something yeah. or an envelope or right. something or other, and Heenan wants to know what it is. Yes. Uh, Flair with multiple near falls with his foot on the rope. He just keeps trying to... Yeah. Headlock takeover by Flair, by the way. First headlock of the night on Nitro. Thank you. Yeah, it's the main event. <sighs> Unlike Raw, having 18 right. of them. Uh, headlock takeover by Flair, but Sting bridges up, gets a backslide for two. Flair with a top up on the top rope, but Sting, of course, slams him off because Flair's up top. He's going to get slammed off. Mm-hmm. Sting with a few rights and lefts. Flair, though, gets Nux. He hits Sting. Flair then with a big elbow drop. Sting, though, kicks out. Sting gets chopped, but he fires back up again for the third time this match. Sting with another press slam. Sting puts Flair on the top rope, hits a superplex. Sting then with a scorpion death lock. Flair gives up. Sting wins, but Sting won't let go. The refs come out. Mr. JL and Eddie Guerrero try to get Sting to let go of the hold. They're not helping. Uh, Dave Sullivan, otherwise known as Evad, comes out. He's no help. Uh, Baden Duggan then finally gets Sting off of Flair, but Sting goes back in. Luger is now coming out, which we're told by Bischoff that he was coming out earlier, but that officials were holding him back. Yeah, didn't see it. Um, So Luger's coming out now. He gets in Sting's face and gets Sting to let go of the hold by talking, says something to him. Then Luger and Sting then leave together. And Luger, by the way, if you notice, is trying not to smile at the very end of the segment. He's not doing a good job trying to keep character there. But Yeah, they just walk off together. Legitimately, he missed his cue. He did. We'll find out in the news next week because I looked ahead. Yes, he missed his cue, and Bischoff was pissed. Hmm. Because when Bischoff says that he's being held back, that's when Luger's supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't. he wasn't. So they had to go back, take Sting back in, and redo the whole thing over again. Mm-hmm. So, Way to go. Good job, Luger. Way to go, Luger. Good job, Luger. You and your striped Zumbas or whatever. Yeah. He was probably in the back working out. Oh, I'm sure. Or doing other things. Uh, Mean Gene in the ring with Jimmy Hart, allegedly. Kevin Sullivan and the Giant. No, Mean Gene is really with them, but Luger, allegedly. Uh, Mean Gene says that the Giant is not the champ. Jimmy Hart then talks about Hogan's movie career. While Hogan was out making movies, Hart was here in WCW getting work done. He says... Uh, Hart has Hogan's power of attorney, so Jimmy Hart signed the contract for the match, but the contract had a stipulation that if Hogan got DQ'd, he would lose the WCW heavyweight title. Sullivan and Giant signed the contract, so it should be all fair. But Nick Lambros, who is a real lawyer, he really was the Turner lawyer. He's been talked about in Bischoff's, I believe, his books and on his podcast I've heard as well. I definitely have heard that name before on his podcast. Mm -hmm. Lambros says that Jimmy Hart is partially correct, but the Giant is not the world champion. Nick Bockwinkle and the WCW Championship Committee says that the title will be held up and that the winner of the World War III Battle Royal will become the world champion. Gene then tries, Gene gets very, uh, gets his guff up. He tries to take the title off the Giant. He's like, give it to me. Giant says that he will not give up the title. Sullivan says that no one can beat the Giant, so they give the belt to Lambros and that's, 
he's going to win the Battle Royal. Uh, Gene then says the title is held up. New champion will be assigned at World War III. We go back to the announcers, and Bobby says that careers will end and someone will go to the hospital at World War III. We get our hype for next week. Meng versus Savage. Mark Marrow, I mean, Johnny B. Bad, versus Eddie Guerrero and Sting versus Malenko. Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Sting versus Malenko. Why not? Would you have had no interaction no. at all? Poor Malenko, is all I'm gonna say about that. Yeah. Uh what did you think about that Sting Flare match and, and the end segment with the giant? I thought it was I thought it was good. It ties up some some loose ends of the giant claiming to be champion and it also kinda shows why Jimmy Hart turned on Hogan and he DQ'd mm-hmm. he got Hogan DQ'd and he showed him why because right. he had power of attorney and he signed the contract and stuff and I thought the the sting and getting his hands on, on Flair even though like you said I would have just rather have had them just straight up mm-hmm. booked this rather than the interactive stuff I would agree with that and it intrigues me that Luger, yep. whatever he said, yep. we don't know what he said. Yep. Whatever he said to Sting got Sting to let go of Flair, and they just walk off together. So He said, I have a great business opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. There's a gym in Atlanta. Oh. <laughs> and Sting's That's like, probably, all right, let's go. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's go, Luger. <laughs> you, all right, you convinced me. I, I thought it was good. I, I would make a couple of changes myself. And first of all, I understand all the DQ stuff. It's very convoluted. It's it, it. You could have just used the excuse that Hogan passed out. It was from outside interference, and that could be the reason why it Giant doesn't keep the title. Hogan passed out due to the Yeti coming out and smothering Hogan. Yeah, but before that, though, Jimmy Hart hit the ref and knocked him out. That's where... But the ref's back was turned when he got hit. Yeah. So he doesn't know it was he Jimmy Hart. Know. He didn't, he didn't know, know it was Jimmy Hart who hit him. So I, th- I think it would be better to say you would give Giant more credibility. That, like, he may not be the champion, but he still made Hogan pass out from that bear hug. Sure. And I think that would help him a little bit. Because Giant comes out looking like this, like he's an idiot for taking the belt. Because both Sullivan and Giant said they signed the contract, which means they knew about this clause. Mm -hmm. So why would he have taken the belt? Yeah. And if Jimmy Hart was working with them the whole time, I I guess it's because the clause says Hogan would have lost the belt. Mm -hmm. But it's just, I found it convoluted. Sullivan didn't even have to do anything. The other thing is placement. I would have had Sting Flair close the show. Mm-hmm. And I think the parting shot of Sting walking away with Luger and not knowing what's going on there is yeah. much better than put put the giant segment right before the Sting and Luger Sting and Flair match, and I'm fine with it. But it just felt weird to have a match and then go to the ring for a, a little interview segment, and that's right. your end. Yeah, I agree. The only thing that I would say of the this is the world title program. So yeah, you put that on last, but, but I, th- I would agree. I would agree. It's a better closing. I angle. think action should always close the show. Right. And even though they strip the giant of the title, it's done by a lawyer and mean gene. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, there's not a lot of action yeah. there. Yeah, right. 
But that's just that's just my two cents. So now we get to pick our winner of the November sixth Monday Night War. Will it be Nitro or will it be Raw, Travis? It's pretty pretty easy for me. Sting and Flair, Benoit and Eddie, Sullivan and Renegade. I know that tips the scales. Cobra Giant. I know that one tipped the scales for you. Oh sure. Um, are you going? You're you're going Nitro, aren't oh, you? Oh, easy. Nitro wins this easy. The two matches that they had compared to what Raw, the two matches that they had, like the other was were jobber matches, yeah. basically. So yeah. the two legitimate matches on both shows, Nitro was better. I think we're starting to see with WCW and what they're using Nitro for and what they're doing with it is compared to WWF is even though, like you said, talking about jobber matches, they're established roster members for WCW. They're not local talent. And WWF for their jobber matches have, you know, Rhino Richards or they'll have, you know, Joe Schmo or whoever. Whereas WCW has Cobra. I know Cobra. I know his background. Renegade. I know Renegade. I think that makes a huge difference because they don't feel like jobber matches. Right. Yeah. Because in your head you're going, well, of course the Giant can win, but there's always that what it you know what if if. like this is an actual character on this show not just a guy brought in to lose exactly i cannot give the win to a show that has doc hendricks doing commentary for the whole night (laughs) i i i can't i i can't do it tip it Uh, so nitro wins Nitro has won every week let's see we're on week one two three four five six seven eight nine week nine it is Nitro currently seven to two. They are leading the battle. Now Raw won last week. Mm-hmm. Gave the win to Raw last week, but this week Nitro mm-hmm. pulls ahead. I think that'll uh, just about wrap it up, don't you, Travis? Yep, I think that pretty much does it. Well, next week on the show we have the Intercontinental Title to look forward to over on Raw. With the one, two, three kid, Ahmed Johnson makes his debut. We'll we'll rate his sweatiness. Mm -hmm. Um, Can't wait for that. Uh, Sting Malenko, I'm really looking forward to. Oh yeah, that should that should be a good match, Um, as well as uh, uh, Johnny B. Bad and Eddie. Mm -hmm. It's a match to look forward to as well. Uh, Will Savage be cleared in time for his match with Ming? Will Hogan show up? Plus November to remember. The, the parts that we will not see on the uh, the TV show we will be watching. So yeah. uh, it should be a good time. Exciting. I can't wait next week. And then after that, it is right into Survivor Series. And then it's right into World War III. We're ready. Mm-hmm. And then and then you got Starcade. Mm-hmm. You got the December in your house, which mm-hmm. I know has at least a good moment a good in match, it. Yeah. Uh, Rumble. I always get excited around Rumble time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Plus, I forgot that we have Super Brawl coming up for WCW, mm-hmm. which has two cage matches in the main events, not killing gimmicks or anything, but no. back-to-back cage matches, and then we're on the road to double cage. Triple cage. Triple cage. Mm-hmm. Good and stuff. Hulkamania. The end of Hulkamania. <laughs> will it be? We will find out. So... Thank you once again 
for joining us here on the Two Fans Review Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget Facebook is Two Fans Review Wrestling. The email, if you want to email in your recollections of anything that we are going to cover or have covered, maybe you were at some of these shows live, let us know, twofansreview at gmail.com, or just let us know, hey, we're following along and watching these shows with you every week. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, Twitter, Two Fans Review W1 as well. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget new episodes will drop every Tuesday Hopefully at around noon if Apple is doing their job, but uh, sometimes they don't. So we just have to wait and see on that. But it'll be close to noon, I promise you that. So, uh, Travis, anything else you want to add before we get out out of here? I think I'm good. Yeah, please support us on our social media platforms. And we certainly appreciate everyone that has checked us out already. We sure do. And we will continue with this journey through wonderful world of wrestling the sport that we love that's right we'll talk to you next week go out and watch some 95 wrestling it's good not really all right bye